Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. We are going to have a conversation with a man who brought us a lot of the news that mattered all year. Breaking stories, thesis whistleblowers, telling us about Chinese interference and democracy and elections. And now we're having an inquiry and then we learn more later. We learn about Iranian interference and we go back to Iran and Russia and China and the concerns we have about them when we came to a new realization in this country. Robert Fife broke so many of these stories and he's still bringing us follow-ups that matter and have changed the way we look at our security here. And as we began the show today, perhaps have changed the way Canada is looked at around the world. I would like to welcome Robert Fife, Ottawa Bureau Chief with the Globe and Mail. Thanks for being here, Robert. My pleasure, always. You know, it's the time to take a look at the whole year and the importance of the year. And your name just sprung to mind. I, and I can't think of anybody, you and Stephen Chase, breaking all these stories in the Globe and Mail and really driving the headlines. And when you really look at where we are from your first post about the whistleblower and CSIS, we've come a long way, baby, as they say. Uh, Robert, how do you feel? First of all, let's start off where we are right now. And then I, I want to go back on how it all happen, but did you feel that we would get to where we are now when you broke that first story? I mean, how shocking was it all to you? Well, no, I didn't think that we would end up with a public inquiry into foreign interference. The uh, government of uh, Justin Trudeau had always opposed a public inquiry and had largely turned a blind eye to Chinese foreign interference, not just foreign interference, but um, Chinese takeovers of Canadian firms, and also uh, what has been going on in our universities, where China has been um, scooping up, uh, uh, you know, research, uh, high-end research, cutting-edge research from Canadian universities, uh, and uh, bringing it back to China. And that w- our first story in in uh, late January was. Uh, a story on how 50 Canadian universities had been cooperating with uh, China's uh, main military uh, university in which uh, we were sharing <laughs> all of our cutting-edge mm-hmm. technology that could be used for uh, military purposes in China. And it's astounding, really, when you think about it, that we that we were cooperating with China's military university, so they could help them build their military. And but I will say, and to the government's credit or the credit of uh, Innovation Minister uh, uh, Francois-Philippe Champagne, he did actually um, crack down on that. It took him a while to do it, but he did do it. And he, all of our, all of our uh, federal financing uh, uh, agencies that finance university research, they're not no longer allowed to uh, duh. Uh, share their intelligence with uh, China's military institution, but all, but a whole range of their military and security institutions, including all, by the way, also Huawei. So um, I think that's one example where journalism has had a major impact because nothing would have been done. The universities like getting the money from China. Uh, the government didn't uh, didn't have the guts to step in, and that's where uh, uh, journalism can come in. And well, obviously, the public. Uh, 
has been way ahead of the government. And they, they knew that this wasn't going to fly with the public once they became aware of it. You know, it's just astounding, dizzying, uh, the the amount of naivety that we've had. I mean, are we about to find out more? Let's just whip over to that we have an inquiry right now. And then people are worried and concerned about testifying in it because they think their safety's at risk. Is that another example of where we are right now? Yeah, I mean, look, um, I, I'm very glad that we're having a public inquiry into foreign interference. I hope it really does pull back the curtain and uh, is allows Canadians to understand the extent of not just Chinese foreign interference, but also Russian and Iranian uh, and obviously uh, Indian uh, government, uh, poten- potentially Indian government interference as well. This is really important, particularly if it involves our election campaigns. But you know, already with this, with the new inquiry, uh, there's a lot of concerns whether it's it's actually going to, de- get, to the bottom of get to the bottom of it. Because, for example, the the, the justice who's in charge of it uh, was not going to give standing to the Conservative Party, which, by the way, were the main um, targets of Chinese foreign interference mm-hmm. in the 2019 and 2021 election campaign, but also not standing to the NDP who. One of their own members had been targeted by China, Jenny Kwan, and they 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 are going to have intervener status, but they're not going to have uh, standing, which will allow them to uh, cross-examine witnesses and and see documents that the public would not see, or some documents the public would not see. The government, of course, which is the Liberal Party, gets standing, uh, and they're the ones who have been all along have been trying to do everything they can to block Canadians from knowing. To what extent did the prime minister's cabinet know about the Chinese foreign interference in the 2019 and 2020 elections, specifically targeting conservative uh, members of parliament to help the liberals get elected? That is the crux of whether of, of this um, inquiry, it seems to me. And I'm not sure we're going to get to the bottom of that. Why do you think they're dragging their feet? It's well, not I a think good it's look. A, it's, I think it's very obvious. Um, they, I, I suspect that they were very well aware that Chinese and Chinese or, and or the uh, Chinese government proxies in Vancouver and the GDA uh, did not, and we know from uh, Caesar's documents that we saw from uh, Chinese officials saying, "Well, you know, we want the Liberals to win. We're not, we don't think they're great, but we want the Liberals to win. They're better than the Conservatives." And because the Conservatives, you know, had wanted to get rid of the uh, Asian Development Bank, had uh, wanted to set up a foreign agent registry, uh, had been much, had taken, had wanted to ban Huawei, which the government has finally done. But back then, uh, none of these things had been done. And the, and the, and, and so the, from the Chinese government perspective, the Liberals were a better bet for them because they weren't, uh, they were they were going to basically turn a blind eye to a lot of the things that they were doing in this country, and I, I'm not shilling here for the conservatives. I'm just saying that that from the Chinese government perspective, the, the conservatives were more of a threat to them, and there was an effort to. And we know from the CSIS documents from consul generals in Vancouver and in Toronto that there was there was uh, a, a, an effort to uh, defeat conservative MPs. We. In fact, the, the consul general 
in Vancouver would even bragged about the fact that she ha- they she believed that they helped defeat two conservative MPs in British Columbia. All right. You know, I, I wanted to ask you this. We followed along and you joined me a lot as the story was breaking and it was breathtaking. We were on the end of our seat and you were having, you had a whistleblower and you were talking to people within CSIS on the whistleblower writing an opinion piece in your paper. How nervous were they, Bob, about coming forward? You know, what kind of trepidation did they have before as a reporter? They, you know, they they probably confided into you some of their feelings here. What was driving them? Well, uh, they were uh, really upset because a, a lot of the work that they have done in terms of Chinese foreign interference, um, in which they had recordings of Chinese diplomats, in which they followed people to meetings. Uh, they had pretty. They they tried to they had to try to follow the money trail, um, and all of this stuff was being ignored. And they mm-hmm. kept asking themselves, "Why is this stuff being ignored? This this is like this is really serious." They look. They're talking about defeating conservative MPs. They're talking about getting money to to candidates uh, that could, will be, that they believe to be uh, more sympathetic to the Chinese interest, and. All of this intelligence was going to uh, the sixth floor at CISA's headquarters and presumably was being passed on to the, the, the prime minister's office and the privy council office, but nothing was happening. So that's the reason why people came forward. And, of course, they were these people were very, very nervous because they would they'd face criminal charges under the Security and Information Act and they would probably go to jail. So there was a lot of... Um, you know, this had to be handled very carefully. And we met individuals not using phones or electronic or computers or anything like that that could in any way uh, allow uh, the RCMP and CSIS mm-hmm. to be able to track down the whistleblowers. Were they concerned? I mean, the op-ed piece, it was most extraordinary, you know, as we read and we can feel the breaths and the heart beating of a human being behind this. How how bound and bent were they on coming forward like that? Great risk. And, you know, there was a lot of threatening going on from the government. It wasn't just what they were revealing. It was the fact they were revealing it. Well, the individual who wrote that is highly principled, uh, obviously highly principled person who has felt very strongly that this intelligence, because it was being ignored by the public, or sorry, by the prime minister's office and the government, that uh, the individual could no longer stay silent, that Canadians had to know what was actually going on. And we did, you know, it was after some conversations with the individual, he and the individual agreed that, you know, he would, they would, they would come forward and write an op-ed, which uh, was really good because it uh, it really uh, strengthened um, the case that we'd been making in the CSIS documents that we'd been reporting on. Because here was a real, real. individual yeah. stating the reasons why and making it clear that you know he's not an anti. He's not. This is not. For political reasons, he's not against the Liberal Party, he's not against the Conservatives, and, you know, he's just a, a really concerned Canadian trying to make people aware that there is a very serious threat from China, and it's happening in the Chinese-Canadian communities largely, and uh, something, by the way, that the, that the Chinese-Canadians and, and Uyghurs uh, 
have been warning about uh, for some time that this had been going on, but largely ignored. And um, it was kind of, it was actually good from my perspective to know that CSIS, frankly, had been taking this stuff seriously because we didn't know they were whether they were or not. And it was good to know that they had been taking it seriously. But the problem was it was being ignored by the government. And, yeah. and that's why this inquiry is important. Emails Did not they... being read and oh, all, that, sorts yeah. of, all sorts of things we learned. Well, I'm well, let, let, yeah. yeah. You know, the buck, yeah. buck passing is incredible. I mean, all of this information becomes, uh, as we begin to report it, and we learn that uh, ministers had been warned about this uh, this stuff. And all of a sudden, none of them read their email. That their buck passing is in- incredible. Um, that would be the, that. Those are those should be firing offenses. Yeah, but we're still baffled about that. It comes up in all sorts of the night interviews every day when we talk about the competency of the government. Let me ask you too. I mean, there's so many blockbusters, and they all kind of tie in together. Things we didn't know, interference, and you know, for Canadians, when you broke the story about the two Michaels, it was I just gasped when I read it because here we have the two Michaels, and we learn one of them thinks the other one used his information for. Intelligence, And again, the word intelligence there coming into it and the gathering of the intelligence and how we use it. Now we've learned more. Well, on the two Michaels, it's a very interesting case because many people have thought there's something more to this case than this arbitrary arrest of these two people. And now we learn, at least from Michael Spavor's position, that and he really was. Um, like he he had the inside track of what was going on in North Korea, so he was a valuable person to get to know because he'd give you insights. I mean, he you know had cocktails and jet skied with uh, Kim Jong Jung, the the, uh, the dictator of, of North Korea. So he's a valuable asset in a way. Um, but so when he was arrested and charged with passing on information to Michael Kovac, we now understand that. He believes, Mr. Spiver believes that um, that the sharing he didn't he did not know that uh, that as a as a global security reporting officer with the global affairs that that all of the intelligence that Mr. or information that Mr. Covert picked up that was shared with CSIS and the Five Eyes intelligence spy services, and he believes in a, he's about to sue the government mm-hmm. that. Uh, he got picked up because China somehow found out that this stuff was being shared with spy services in the Five Eyes community. And we now know that uh, uh, the Garretts, who had been arrested in 2014, and uh, were, were released, he also had talked to uh, a GSRP uh, diplomat himself. And and this intelligence, of course, is, is, is shared, and the government admits it is shared with CSIS and five eyes he he wonders now what did they pick me up because i was talking to this person and he said if i'd known that if if the person had told me hey i'm going to share this stuff with ceases and mm-hmm. five eyes that i wouldn't have talked to him and i think that you know leaving aside whether you know they they say it's not a spy service and they don't recruit and they don't pay and, and all that's that's fine but they do have an obligation it seems to me to tell people hey I'm talking to you, and you know I'm a Canadian diplomat, so obviously stuff's going to be shared with the government. But you should also know 
what I say, what you share with me is going to be shared with CSIS and the Five Eyes Intelligence Community. That may make people think twice about whether they want to talk and to them. And their own safety. Because if they're in countries like China, that's a dangerous place to be. Mm. And it's the same thing as you and I as journalists. I mean, I can't. I, it would be highly immoral for me to talk to somebody and not identify myself as a journalist and then go write a story and the mm-hmm. guy goes or a person would go, hey, wait a minute. I didn't know that, that person was a journalist. Mm-hmm. Now it's in the front page of the newspaper. I mean, that's unethical. It is unethical. And we're learning more. And then we're questioning the whole way it operates. You see, it's been uh, Bob Fife's world here this year. And we are questioning. And that whole thing has been busted open. Again, things we didn't know as Canadians. Absolutely. And, you know, we pulled back the veil of secrecy to some extent. There's still a lot we need to know. That's why I really hope that this inquiry is going to um let some sunshine in and, you know, get to the bottom of the kind of issues we've been raising. We didn't get it from, uh, was a whitewash from Donald, uh, from uh, David Johnson's report uh, when he was special rapporteur for the government, which is exactly what they wanted. Um, and we'll, we'll see whether this uh, inquiry uh, it gives us a serious and a look at, at what has been unfolding in this country and how our spy service and government have been handling it. Because having having countries interfere in our elections campaign is a no-no. Our prime minister stands up and shocks the nation, stands up in Ottawa and says he has information that the government of India was involved in the assassination of a Canadian citizen. Again, I gas the whole country gas. And it turns out you were involved in that, making a call, having the story and giving them a little bit of time. And now we're still debating, aren't we? Why he he's still getting criticism for coming forward. But now we learn more, way more. We have the indictment in the United States of a would-be assassin tied into our assassin. I mean, this is like a movie, only it's real. Yes, and it's very serious. We do. I mean, yeah, India is a democracy. It's been a longtime friend of Canada. Um, the fact that they would be um, somebody in the Indian government would be involved in uh, allow, going ahead with an assassination in, in Canada. In fact, there were three other people they wanted to assassinate too, and they tried to get they were they tried to get that uh, in the United States, but uh, the Americans caught on to it right away and. Presumably, they warned Canada, um, but, you know, the Americans managed to arrest the person and stop the assassination. Um, we know that CSIS, uh, or sorry, C- uh, yeah, CSIS did warn um, uh, R.G. Singh uh, Najjar that he, w- he was potentially going to be assassinated as well as the three others. But for some reason, uh, they guess they didn't provide any protection and he got killed. So. And the difference, of course, again, is uh, the Americans have arrested somebody and we still haven't arrested anybody. No, and the person didn't get killed. It was the warden. Right, right. So we say, how did this happen? Did you have any idea about the American connection when you were reporting the Canadian? No, I didn't. No, I I mean, I suspected the Americans were involved in telling us um, just because, uh, you know, because of the they have such a great uh, national security agency can pick up all kinds of conversations. Right. 
So I suspected there might have been American involvement in this, um, but I didn't know anything about that. No video of the body or a picture of the slump body yeah. of the of the Canadian assassination. Now we, you know, the prime minister took a lot of heat for it. We talked, it brought up where we are in the world, bad feelings with India, as you just said, it's a democracy, but it's also seen as a way around the power of China, which we've just been talking about. So things are getting very complicated here, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, look, the Americans have have gone to uh, uh, the Prime Minister Modi and said, "Look, we want cooperation in finding out uh, and who what who was the Indian government official who was responsible for this attempt uh, to kill um, a U.S. citizen." And um, they they say they've set up an inquiry; they're looking into it. But at the same time, the Americans are just finished going to India and talking about how you know, the importance of the relationship and we've got to keep working with you because for a number of reasons, obviously it's a counterweight to China and yeah. it's also the world's fastest growing economy and the world's largest population, 1.4 billion. So the Americans want India to stop doing this kind of stuff, but they don't want to uh, destroy relations with them. And here in Canada, the, the Indians are, are that inquiry they're looking into there. It doesn't involve what happened here in Canada. And they continue to say, Oh, well, you never showed us any intelligence on this. We, we, give us the proof, and you haven't given us any proof, and we're so the hell with you, Canada. So it's not a, it just shows you the Americans have a, obviously, it's a huge superpower. Yeah, and more it power. has an impact, and the Indians really couldn't care less about Canada. It also brings up again safety, and we feel insecure with your story about CSIS. We wondered what was happening with Chinese interference and Canadians and their safety. And now we have others. We have the war in Israel, Hamas. We don't know if it's that or it's Russia or anything, but people are speaking out here. Are they being taken care of? We do know as we speak, Irvin Koffler is under a 24-hour guard. Things are getting a bit crazy here in Canada. Yeah, I mean, look, he's a legendary champion of human rights globally and uh, has been outspoken against Iran and Hamas and Hezbollah. And so, and given what's happened in the, the war in Israel, he is suddenly being targeted as a great concern. He's a, also a Jewish Canadian, as you know, former justice minister. That's uh, a very disturbing that somebody like him would be targeted. Uh, we think it's probably Iran that targeted him, um, but we are not 100% sure of that. And then we get back to Russia and Iran and China. There, It has created a feeling of unease here in Canada. And as we've said several times in this interview, we needed to know it's important stuff. Do you think Canadians care about this? You know, there's always the thing in politics, oh, we, and Canadians never vote on foreign affairs. But it has created a feeling that things are not being taken care of, things that Canadians just assumed that they were safe on. Yeah, I think Canadians are paying more attention to it. I mean, it's true they, they're going to vote on bread and butter issues, not on foreign affairs. But I think Canadians are concerned about the fact that we seem to have lost our way in the world, that we're not taken seriously anymore. You know, um, we're not at, Canada's not asked to join in it, like the Quad or the Argus, the US, Australia, Britain um, pact on mm -hmm. ourselves, but it involves more than that. Um, you know, the, 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 we 
our military is being allowed to be depleted. And that's one another reason why, you know, nobody takes us seriously. Uh, it's, uh, you know, we talk, we virtual signal all the time, but when it comes for us to put some money on the table, they look around, oh, they're in the bathroom. Canada's in the bathroom. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, that, and it's, it, it is having a real effect on the, on the, the uh, reputation of this country. How do you feel? I mean, I just want to ask you, when you call, people must be terrified when they say Robert Fife is on the line. I've heard that from people. And even now, you know, you, uh, you've got to start a few trembling toes with those uh, phone calls or those emails, actually. Yeah, some people. Yeah, I, it's true. People are nervous. <laughs> I, I can't deny that. <laughs> no, <laughs> because you're but, feeling empowered. And... Uh, no, no, that's not the way I operate. But uh, you know, look, uh, I always tell people: if you've got nothing to hide, then don't be worried. You know. Good advice and congratulations on a stellar year. Thank, thank you, you very for, much, and thank you for your wonderful journalism. And yeah. it's—I'll uh, give you the Arlene Bynan Award if that means anything. Thank you, Connie. <laughs> thank, thank you very much. Bye bye. If you want to hear more, subscribe to the Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.